to our Bible study. This is um, the Bible study group of um, um, Spiritual Conversation with Minister Mercy, our podcast um, listeners. So we're on session four and we're still um, on um, the book of John. Today we are going to talk about John from um, John chapter four from verse one to 24. So if we can turn our Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and I will read from verse 1 to verse 24. There we go. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Joseph well was there. Jesus therefore, be, you know, being wearied from his journey, sat, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman, said to, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with the well, with the, um, we have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. 
And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will, will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and, is, and, and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit, and therefore who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy word. Okay, so that is um, the verses we're going to be looking at this evening with our Bible study. Okay, verse 1 tells us that Jesus left for Galilee. So when the Pharisees were becoming aware of Jesus, you know, his activities and with his disciples in Judea, the Pharisees, remember, they were the religious leaders at that time, that is the custodians of the law of Moses. They were the gatekeepers of the temple where the people were expected to come and worship God and be taught the, his laws. So now they are hearing about this newcomer teaching and baptizing people, invading their domain. Okay, so the, 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 the rumors of Jesus's activity is now reaching the, the, the Pharisees in the temple. And they're wondering who is this person that is baptizing and teaching people, you know, um, the, uh, the law of Moses and talking about um, um, repentance. Okay, so in order to avoid, because it was Jesus's, uh, this is the beginning of his ministry and he did not want any confrontation with the Pharisees. So he decided to leave uh, um, uh, Judea to then go to Galilee. Okay, so that was the reason he left, he left to go to Galilee. So in order to avoid conflict with the Pharisees, Jesus and his disciples left uh, Judea to go back to Galilee, where they actually came from, to Judea. So, you know, but rather than going the usual route, the Jews follow when they're going to Galilee from Judea, Jesus, which is the, the, the route they normally go is longer, okay? It's a longer route. They do this in order to avoid going through Samaria. Remember, the Jews from other areas avoided Samaria, the city of Samaria, because they regarded the Samaritans as apostate Jews. They regarded them as apostate Jews, okay? They are not pure Jews due to their intermarriage with foreigners, due to their intermarriage with foreigners. This is the reason the Jews from Judea and Jerusalem, they avoid going to Samaria and they avoid going, you know, mixing with Samaritans. Okay. You know, so when, you know, if you remember in the Old Testament, when the Jews came into the promised land, the kingdom was divided into two parts. They had the Northern Kingdom, which had Samaria as their capital. And then they had the Southern Kingdom, which had um, Judea as their capital. But, you know, it's, 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 uh, I've written here that because of their um, idolatry, God allowed the Assyrians to take Samaria into 
captivity. So both, you know, so once they were captured, that is when they conquered, the, when these uh, Assyrians conquered the northern um, territory of uh, Israel, they deported some Jews to Assyria, and then some um, Assyrians also moved into Samaria. And within that time, they, that, they then started to intermarry with the Samaritans that were left there. And with their own religion, they brought their own religion, and then they started mixing it with the Jewish um, religion. So in verse 4, it tells us, verse 4 says that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. So why did he need to go through Samaria? He said to us, uh, but he needed to go through Samaria. He said that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? That was the question, okay? So who and what was in Samaria Jesus needed to meet? Okay, so Jesus went through Samaria because he had a divine appointment. He had someone he had to encounter at Jacob's well in a town in Samaria called Sika, called Sika. So when Jesus arrived at the well, he sat down and waited for his appointment. Meanwhile, his disciples have gone into the town to buy food. The Bible tells us, you know, the Bible tells us it was about noon. It was about noon. So about noon, about uh, some um, scriptures like the New King James's version said it was about the sixth hour. So the sixth hour, it, it meant that this was about midday, midday. Okay, so at this time, the sun was at its highest, very hot. People are indoors in the shed, avoiding the hot sun. But this woman by herself comes to the well. You know, she comes to the well. So you, you must wonder, because in that society, the women in that community, normally they'll come to fetch water, either in the early mornings or in the late evenings when the sun has gone down. But this woman herself, she came, you know, when the sun was highest, when she knew that no other um, person will be at the well. There'd be no other person will be at the well. So what, is, what this is indicating to us is that this woman was an outcast in that community. She was an outcast in that community. So as Jesus spoke to her, you know, he... She, she, when Jesus spoke to her, she herself was surprised that a Jew would speak to her, a Samaritan, even, uh, you know, a, a rabbi himself, you know, because in the Jewish culture, rabbis do not speak to women in the public. They do not speak to women in the public because they feel that women are unteachable. You cannot teach them the law. And if uh, a rabbi trying to talk to a woman in the public, he will be led astray. He will be led astray. So this is what their culture believed. Okay, so when, when, they, when Jesus um, asked this woman for, for water, she, she said, you know, why are you speaking to me? A woman, uh, and not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Okay, so Jesus said to her, you know, verse 10, which says, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, who, who 
it is who says to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you your living water. You see, Jesus is talking about spiritual things. Jesus is talking about spiritual things. But the woman herself, her mind is focused on the natural water. On the natural water. So if we look on further, it says as Jesus spoke to her, he revealed the issues in her life that made her, you know, to be an outcast in her community. The issues that made her to become an outcast. Even although, you know, Jesus specifically came to that well at that time to reveal to this woman the issues in her life and to give her the living water that will heal her, that is her spirit, her soul and her body and bring her back into her community and also help her to develop her spiritual knowledge. But in verse 10, we'll, we'll look at how Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you... Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, verse 12, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, answered her and said, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting everlasting springs so he said every single soul lost on this earth have an appointment in time with jesus so when the spirit of the divine creator will seek them out to offer them the purest gift ever and that is his living water which is his holy spirit that will heal every issue in their life pray that you will not miss your divine appointment, okay? So in verse seven, Jesus asked her for a drink of water. She was shocked to see a Jew talking to a Samaritan woman, much more a Jewish rabbi. So as we said before, Jewish rabbis do not talk to women in public. The woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? How can you ask me for a drink? So it is now verse 10 that Jesus then answered her, if you know the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit that would lead her into eternal life, spiritual life. Jesus is talking about her spirit, her spirit being born again before she can receive this living water. Okay, But in verse 11, the woman is still focused on natural water. She is not yet able to discern the spiritual things Jesus is talking about. And that is how it is with us, you know, in the natural. The natural man cannot discern spiritual things. But as the real gospel is preached, faith then arises within the spirit of man. And on the word that is being preached to that mind and spirit, he will release the light and the life of the spirit in the word. Because remember, Jesus said that his word is spirit and it is life. So it is when the word, his word, his gospel is being preached, that's when the life and the spirit in that word will be re released. And that is how we develop our faith. 
okay? And it is when he releases the light and the life of the Spirit in the Word, this is how people are convicted. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. This will lead to repentance and confession of our sins. And from there, we accept Jesus into our lives. And that is how we become born again, okay? By, by being born again, we live a life of repentance, a life of repentance. We, we, we more or less turn a, one, you know, a 180 degree, you know, in our, in our life, you turn from the way, the direction you were going, you then go to, you know, the opposite direction. You totally go the opposite way where you were going before, okay? This allows your spirit, that is the spirit of God, to lead and guide you in the things of God, which is studying and obeying his word. Studying and obeying his word. So in verse 13, you know, when the woman said, you, know, you haven't got a, a rope or a bucket. How are you going to get this water? Remember, the woman, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. The woman is talking about natural water. So in verse 13, Jesus replied to her, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. Will soon become thirsty again. Okay, so we are in verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. That is, if you keep on drinking the natural water. So more or less, what Jesus is saying to her is, anyone who focuses only in drinking the waters of this world, trying to quench the spiritual thirst in every man's spirit, will continuously be thirsty. Will continuously be thirsty. That is what he meant in that verse 13. So this is the reason in the Beatitude, you know, remember in the Beatitude in Matthew, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, I think it's verse 6, where Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. So those who hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and peace, only the Holy Spirit can quench this hunger and thirst in their spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the, is the living water that Jesus is offering this woman, okay? And it is the Holy Spirit, the water that he offers that can quench this hunger in us, in every, you know, in every human being God created. Because the Spirit of God is in every human being. And because of sin that have, you know, uh, you know driven us, separated us from God, our spirit is still hungering to know God to, you know, come back to God. So this is the thirst we have. This is the reason you see a lot of people, they will try this, they will try that. Some will think money will make them happy. Some will think, you know, either they are addicted to sports, they are addicted to this, alcohol, sex, all these things. They are the waters of this world that we are trying to use to quench a spiritual thirst. So Jesus is saying that this, if you keep drinking the waters of this world, you will continuously be thirsty, okay? It's only the water that he gives that will quench that thirst in you. And the water he gives is his, is the, his Holy Spirit. It's his Holy Spirit. You know, that's what he, he meant in, uh, in verse 14, where he says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them internal life, okay? Giving them internal life. So this is 
what being born again experiences actually is. This is what Jesus is talking about. Okay, this is what he said to Nicodemus in chapter uh, in chapter three. That is John chapter three verse five, which says, "Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again of water and the Spirit." Okay, remember in the last um, session of our Bible study, we talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what Jesus meant by the water and the spirit. That is, you know, if you go back in your notes or even if you listen to the previous recording, we said that these two things go hand in hand with the, uh, uh, the, uh, the born again experience. You need to have water baptism. The symbolism of water baptism is that you are being buried with Christ Okay, it's like when Jesus died and was buried and then resurrected. So baptism actually means you are crucifying your old self, your old life. Your old life is now dead and it's been buried in the baptism of water. And then when you come out of that water, you've been resurrected into a new life of the spirit. This is what Jesus meant. Okay, by uh, that you need to be um, born again of water and the spirit so you know that is how we then enter the kingdom of god because when you die to your old self and then you are resurrected into the life of the spirit the spirit of god then baptizes you jesus himself baptizes you into his spirit and when he baptizes you into his spirit your your spirit either he gives you a new spirit that can now be able to see the kingdom of God. You see the kingdom of God through the visions because now the Holy Spirit is now living in your own spirit. He has awakened you to the realities of the realms of the spirit, okay? The realities of the kingdom of God. This is what being born again actually means. So as the Lord continued to speak to this woman at the well and his words are penetrating in her spirit and mind, her spirit is slowly opening up to his word. Okay, the Holy Spirit is already working in her mind and spirit. In verse, and this is how faith slowly brings, you know, is being built up in her spirit. And then she now desires this water. Okay, so this is this is actually what when you preach the gospel, this is what happened even to us. When you preach the gospel to people and their faith is now being built up. The faith is being built up, gradually being built up. You are stirring the spirit. The Holy Spirit is now convicting them, convicting them of their sin, that they are sinners, that they need to repent and they need to accept Jesus. So in this woman, a desire and a thirst to receive this living water is now there. It's now there. So this is why she said in verse 15, she says in verse, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. So she's still thinking that the water that Jesus is giving her is like natural water. So once she gets this natural water, it will quench her thirst. Therefore, she won't need to come back to fetch the water from the well, to fetch the water from the well. Okay, so... This has statement is like us saying, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Okay. The same mentality this woman has is what we actually have. Okay. 
It's the same thing we have. That is the same mentality. We have, we, we believe that, you no, know, once we have given our life to Jesus, you know, once we have given our life to Jesus, we, when we become born again Christians, we will never have any more problems, no more difficulties in our lives again. So this is, this, this is what this woman is perceiving, that the water Jesus will give her will quench her thirst, and then she won't need to come to the well to fetch water again. So in reality, this is the, the type of mentality a lot of Christians have, that once they have given their life to Jesus, that all their problems will be solved. They won't have any difficulties in life again, you know? So we, we know that is not true. So in verse 16, Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here, okay? Go and call your husband and come here. So what Jesus have done in verse 16 is that he has zeroed in in the issues in her life that will prevent her from getting this living water, okay? He has zeroed in in it, the issues. And this is the same thing with us as well. There is issues in our life. Even when we become born again Christian, the Holy Spirit cannot baptize us, cannot come in because those issues in our life are blocking him from coming in. This is why a lot of Christians, they are carnal Christians. They're not really baptizing the Holy Spirit. You know, as we go on, we're going to look at the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, in the life of a born again Christian. And then you will see that without the Holy Spirit, you can't really call yourself a born again Christian. You can't. So Jesus has zeroed in in the issues in her life that will prevent her from receiving this living water. Okay. So when Jesus, Jesus zeroed in on the issues in her life that will hinder her from receiving this living water, the same applies to us. You know, there are issues in our life, you know, areas in our life that Satan has legal right to establish his strongholds, okay? So these issues is like Satan's domain. It's like Satan's domain in our life. And if you have Satan's domain in your life, okay, you're holding things from the kingdom of darkness. The spirit of God cannot come in because Satan has legal right. This is why repentance is important, genuine repentance. You know, when the Holy Spirit convicts you of a sin, you repent of it. The, 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 the most, uh, you know, the common issue in people's life that prevents them from being baptized in the Holy Spirit is unforgiveness, resentment, sin, any form of sin in your life blocks the Holy Spirit from really working in our life as he should, okay, as he should. So when we look at verse um, 17 again, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now live is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Okay, in that you spoke truly. So the woman didn't ask Jesus, how do you know? And she didn't try to deny it. She said, yes, I have no husband. <laughs> Jesus said, yes, you have spoken the truth. You have spoken the truth. And this is a very important aspect of, you know, of the process of being born again. 
we need to be truthful to the Holy Spirit. We need to be truthful to the, to, to, to the Spirit of God. When it convicts you of a sin that you need to repent of, you repent of it. You don't try and deny it or you, didn't, you don't try and hide it. You bring it into the light. Because when you bring something of darkness into the light, that thing cannot hide anymore. So the only uh, next step is to repent of it and the darkness will disperse. Because when light exposes darkness, light always wins over darkness. Okay. So what this woman did was right. She owned up. She said, yes, I've, I've had five husbands. Okay. So this is the reason she was an outcast in her community. Because in the Jewish community in those days, all, all you need, all a man needs to divorce his wife is to say five times that she's not a lovable woman. She, you know, that she's not uh, meeting up with her wifely duties. He will say it in public, and that is divorce. He has divorced her. So this woman have gone through this five times, you know? So divorce brings shame to a woman. Because in those, in those communities, in those days, women depend on man to provide for them. So if five men have already rejected you, Whoever, the next man will not accept you. This is why the one she's living with is not even her husband. She's just living with him there, probably to you know, prevent her from being homeless and being a beggar in the street. So this is the issues that Jesus has pointed out to her. So the, the woman then says in verse 19, the, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say, that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. You see what she did? She shifted the conversation from herself to something else. <laughs> she didn't want to discuss her issues with Jesus. So she started talking about worship. <laughs> she started talking about worship. She didn't want Jesus to judge her like everybody else have judged her and rejected her. Okay? She didn't want that. And this is sometimes, this is what happens to us. When we try to share our faith with other people, people do not want their sin, you know, exposed. Because when, you, when you're sharing the gospel with the spirit of God, convicting these people of their sin, they will try and hide, they will try and shift it. They will say, forget that thing now, let's talk about something else. Because they don't want their sin exposed. So this is what this woman is trying to do. So she shifted to talk about something else. She shifted. You know, so, and here, as we said, and then she went on to talk about their fathers worshipping on this mountain and the Jews um, saying that Jerusalem is the place where uh, one ought to worship. Okay, so Jesus replied, Jesus um, replied to her, to her, that is verse 19. We, let's talk about verse 19 now. Yeah, she said, verse 19, after hearing this statement from Jesus, the woman had the revelation that the person standing before her and talking to her is not an ordinary, ordinary Jewish rabbi, but a prophet of God. It is only a prophet that hears from God that will be able to tell her things in her life like that. You know, so in that um, point, as we made before, because she didn't want to continue Jesus talking about her issues, she shifted to about where they should worship, where worship, where worship, where they should be worshiping. Okay. 
So the, the, the reason she brought that issue up, remember when they, uh, they had the Northern Kingdom and also they had the Southern Kingdom of Israel, because the Northern Kingdom felt that going to Jerusalem all the time to worship was too far for them. So they decided to create a parallel temple in Mount um, Garizim, in Mount Garizim, that's where she was saying that their forefathers worshipped in Mount Garizim. So why does the Jews say that is Jerusalem? That's the only place the people should go and worship. Okay, so the tribe that settled in the northern kingdom felt that Jerusalem was too far for them to come and worship and bring their sacrifices and their tithes to the temple in Jerusalem. The king at that time built a parallel temple at Mount Garrison for people in the northern kingdom to worship. However, the worship fell into idolatrous worship. One of the kings erected the golden calf, you know, the golden calf idol at the temple, and they started mixing their worship with pagan rituals, with pagan rituals. So the whole northern kingdom fell into idolatry. They fell into idolatry. And this is the reason God allowed Assyrian, the Assyrian king, to conquer them and take them into captivity. Okay, it's idolatry that destroyed the northern kingdom. Okay, so that is how uh, foreigners then, then moved in into the northern kingdom and they started mixing with other cultures, with other religions. And then this is why the other Jews that were in Jerusalem regards them as apostate Jews. They are not pure Jews because they have intermarried and now they have mixed the pure Jewish culture with paganism, with paganism. Okay, so well, she then asked Jesus in verse 20, so tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? Why we Samaritans claim is here at Mount Garrison, where our ancestors worshipped, where our ancestors worshipped. Okay. So when the woman discovered that Jesus knew all about her private life, she quickly changed the subject. Often, as I said before, People will feel uncomfortable when we try to, you know, share our gospel with them. Because as you, if you share the real gospel of Jesus Christ with people, they will start getting convicted of their sin. And they don't like that. So they will always want to avoid, you know, um, sharing, uh, uh, listening to, uh, 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 you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It makes people uncomfortable. This is why a lot of people, when you start uh, asking them, are you a Christian or are you this, they say, oh, you know, I'm not, I don't really believe in Jesus. I don't know what that, because they just want to avoid their sin being exposed. You know, their sin being exposed. So this was what the Samaritan woman did, okay? She didn't want uh, the conversation to be about the issues in her life. She didn't want Jesus judging her like the rest of the community has judged her and rejected her, okay? So, but in verse um, 21, in verse 21, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming now, okay? The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem worship the Father. Worship the Father. This is what Jesus said. So, Jesus directed the conversation to a much more important point. 
the location of worship is not, you know, nearly as important as the whom we worship. This is what Jesus is saying to her. It's not where we worship that is important. It's who we worship that is important. It's who we worship. And then in verse, in verse 22, Jesus then said, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. For salvation is of the Jews. So Jesus is saying, you Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Salvation comes through the Jews. So when Jesus said salvation comes through the Jews, he meant that only through the Jewish Messiah would the whole world found salvation. Will the whole world found salvation? God had, remember, you know, God had promised that through the Jewish people, the whole earth would be blessed. This is the promise God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. And also the Old Testament prophets had called the Jews to be a light to the other nations of the world, bringing them into a knowledge of God and showing them God's way to live and how to treat others. So salvation is from the Jews. There's no other means. There is no other way, okay, that people will be saved and brought back to God apart from the Jewish Messiah, Jesus. This is the reason Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, okay? So the way, he is the way to God, he is the truth about God, and he is the life, internal life that God gives us. It's only through him that you can get all those three things. So people that are in other religions, they're doing religions of work, you know? of trying, striving to get to heaven by your own goodwill, by your own good works. That will not work. That will not work. This is why Jesus said, salvation is only through the Jewish Messiah. It's only through the Jewish Messiah. So in verse, um, in verse 23, in verse 23, you know, when Jesus said, but the hour is coming and now is when True worshippers, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. The Father is seeking such to worship him. So what does Jesus mean by that? So Jesus explained to the woman that in time to come, you know, that that time has actually started. That time has actually started because it's from the time Jesus landed on this earth that the way of worship was going to change. So, you know, so he said that the time has actually started when a place of worship will not be important anymore. A place of worship will not be important anymore. So let's uh, see what this verse says. It says that the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The father is looking for those who will worship him that way who will worship him that way. And in verse 24, he says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in truth, in spirit and in truth. Okay. For God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is telling us God is spirit, which means 
that he is not a physical being. He is not a physical being limited to one place. Okay. He is present everywhere and he can be worshipped anywhere at any time. So where we worship is not what counts, but how we worship. How we worship. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, one, is your worship genuine and true? And then number two, do you have the Holy Spirit's help? Do you have the Holy Spirit's help? Just like what Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So what we're going to look at now is how does the Holy Spirit help us to worship? How does the Holy Spirit help us to worship? So if we look at if we look at Romans, Romans chapter 8. Thank you, Jesus. Talking about how does the Holy Spirit help us to worship God? Because if God is a spirit, that means we need to worship him in our own spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we cannot worship. Okay? So without the Holy Spirit, what it means is that our spirit is still dead. We have not actually been regenerated. That means we have not been born again. Okay? The born again experience is actually the Holy Spirit coming into your own spirit and residing inside there to connect you to the spirit of God in heaven. So without the Holy Spirit, we cannot worship. This is why Jesus said, true worshipers will worship God in the spirit. So we are going to look at uh, the scriptures that have um, that shows us how we actually worship God in the spirit. So let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 from verse 26. So this verse tells us that the Holy Spirit prays for us. He prays for us. So he says, likewise, the, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we, uh, you know, what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which, which cannot be altered, which cannot be altered, okay? So it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to pray when we are praying. So real prayer actually comes from the Holy Spirit. This is why when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it is important that you learn how, you know, you ask the Lord to give you your own prayer language. When the Lord gives you your own prayer language, the Holy Spirit is then praying through your own spirit. You allow the Spirit of God in you to pray for you. So that is what it means to pray in tongues or to pray in the Spirit. Okay? So, and the sign of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the ability to pray in tongues. Is the ability to pray in tongues. Okay. So in John, in John chapter 14, let's have a look at another work of the Holy Spirit in us. Okay. John chapter 14. We are looking at how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray and to worship God. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 26 says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. 
all things that I said to you. Okay, so what what is um um Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is the one that will teach us the word of God and he will also help us to remember the word of God. And remember when we are praying, if you real prayers actually means you are praying the promises of God back to him. You are praying the promises of God back to him. Okay. So the Holy Spirit, when that this is why it is very important to read your scriptures, to memorize your scriptures, not even memorize, to get your scriptures right into your spirit. As you get your scriptures into your spirit, when you're praying, the Holy Spirit will remind you of the particular uh, scripture you will need for what you are praying about. And he will bring it to your memory, and then you will pray that pray that, that that scripture to the Father. Okay, you will pray that scripture to the Father. Okay, another work of the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at Titus, Titus, um, chapter three. So we're looking at Titus. We're looking at how the Holy Spirit helps us, helps us to pray. Titus chapter 3 from verse 4 to 7. Okay. So um, I'll read from that. It says, But when the kindness and the love of but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, okay? So this verse, chapter five, verse five is saying, not by works of righteousness, okay? So it is not our own works which we have done. It is not our own works which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. It's the mercy and the grace of God that have saved us. It's not our own good deeds or our own good behavior that salvation came to us. No, salvation came to us because of the mercy and the grace of God. And how did this salvation come? He says, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So it's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that washes and regenerates your old sinful spirit. He regenerates it, cleanses it of the spirit and renews it. It renews your spirit. So this is the work of the Holy Spirit. So this is why it is very important that everybody that calls themselves a Christian should be, you know, should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I'll read this scripture again. It says, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior towards man appeared, Okay, and remember, grace came through Jesus. Okay, so not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the work of the Holy Spirit is to wash our sin, to regenerate our old spirit and give us a new spirit and he does this with when we repent of our sins and place our faith in jesus christ 
This is what gives him the access to do this work, okay? Whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So it's through the grace of God and the mercy of God that God has given us his Holy Spirit. And grace of God is Jesus. Jesus is the grace of God. Without Jesus, there's no grace. And without Jesus, there's no salvation. And without the Holy Spirit to walk in your spirit, to regenerate your spirit and give you a new spirit, there's no being born again. You, you, you won't call yourself a being born again Christian. Okay. So, you know, so this is, um, this is what the, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit is all about. So, you know, the, the, his, he convicts us so we can repent of that sin. The Holy Spirit. This is why it is important to preach the gospel. Okay. What is the gospel? The gospel is what Jesus has come to, what God gave man through Jesus. What God gave man through Jesus. What did God give man through Jesus? He gave us his righteousness. He gave us his peace. He gave us his healing. Okay. He gave us his healing. These are all the good things. That is in Jesus that God gave us. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of how much God loves us. He convicts us of how much God loves us. Okay. So this is, um, let's have a look at that scripture. The, another work of the Holy Spirit uh, is to convict us of how much God loves us. So if we have a look at um, Romans chapter 5. So what we're actually looking at is the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. Somebody that have believed and is now baptized in the Holy Spirit and is born again. So this is the work the Holy Spirit does in their life. Um, Romans chapter 5. Let's read that. Romans chapter 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, okay? Who was given to us? So what this scripture is telling us, we are not able to love God until the Holy Spirit convicts us of the love of God in our heart. So is the love or is the Holy Spirit that, that convicts us, that brings up, that, you know, pours out the love of God in our heart that is what gives us the ability to love God. So this is how the Holy Spirit helps us to worship God, who is a spirit and in spirit and in truth. Okay. So what this means is that if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you cannot worship God in spirit and in truth. Truth meaning with faith in his only begotten son. Jesus is the truth. Okay. He is the truth about God his ways, his character, and his nature. So it's only through Jesus are we able to know the truth, to know all things that is about God. So it is through Jesus we can, you know, we come to know the truth about the real God, the creator of heaven and earth. The, the Holy Spirit is the living water Jesus offered this woman at the well, and he is continuously offering mankind this living water it is only through his living this living water can we be reconnected to our father and creator so this is the reason jesus has told nicodemus 
in, in John chapter 3, verse 3, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay. So if, if, uh, if any of you are not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, what it means that you have not really had the uh, born again experience. But if you desire, if you desire, you know, if you desire and you hunger for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's have a look at, um, turn to Luke 11. Turn to Luke 11. Let's read it. Luke 11. So what we are going to look at now is how to ask the Father to baptize you in his Holy Spirit. Luke 11 from verse 10 to 14. I'll read it. So this is Jesus. Yes, this is Jesus when he spoke to his uh, disciples about prayer, about prayer. Okay. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 11, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Verse 12, or if he asks for an egg, Will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Okay? To those who ask him. So that is uh, Luke uh, 11, verse 10 to 13. So what Jesus is saying to us here, if you desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have a hunger to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and you ask the Father, he will give it to you, you know? So what he's saying is here is, if your earthly father who is evil can give you good gifts, why won't your heavenly father give you the gift of the Holy Spirit when you ask him? When you ask him. This is what Jesus is saying, okay? This is what Jesus is saying. So to close our Bible study today, I want to ask those who are here, do you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Do you want us to pray this night for God to baptize you in his Holy Spirit? Have you got the hunger and the desire to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's um, my answer to that. Okay. Yeah. That would be good. Okay, so your yes, your, your answer also cheat is yes. So we're going to ask the Father, the Lord, to baptize the two of you, Chid and Machuku, in his Holy Spirit. Okay? So you have um given your life to Jesus, you have faith in Jesus. Now Okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, merciful Father. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, this evening, I pray for your son and your daughters, O oh Lord, 
Father, the desire to be baptized in your Holy Spirit. Father, in your word, you have said that if we ask that we should receive and who who seeks will find and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Merciful Father, you have said that our Father will give us the Holy Spirit when we ask. So therefore, this evening, O oh merciful Father, I am asking that you baptize your children in your Holy Spirit. Thank you, mighty Jehovah. The fire of your Holy Spirit, let it now be, yes, let it engulf them. Lord, you have said that you are a consuming fire. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will consume them with the fire of your Holy Spirit. Baptize them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you said if we ask, we will receive. Father, we are asking. I am now asking on their behalf. I am asking on their behalf because they desire to be baptized in your Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive him right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Amen. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. The, the, the Lord said you should open your mouth and try speaking in tongues. Because I did see three, three balls of bright white light going into your heart. Okay. So believe that you have received it and it shall be yours. So, you know, pray, pray, try and pray in tongues. Just move your mouth. Let him give you your own prayer language. Lord, give them their own prayer language, almighty Jehovah. A language that they will use to worship you in spirit and in truth. Merciful Father, open your tongue, loosen their tongue, loosen their tongue, almighty Jehovah. Let them receive their own individual prayer language in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, merciful Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Machiku, you've already been delivered. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> I will see you yawning. That is deliverance. Deliverance. Just keep trying, you know, keep yeah. trying to pray in tongues. Open your mouth and just pray. It doesn't matter. Just whatever sound you will make. Just have the confidence to open. I want to hear you speak. Open. Let your spirit lose, let your spirit lose. Koreshia makoreshandari akia kondari aka kenda dia dada kondari akia makenda dia kenda dada kandari akia pokondari ada kepa kandara kurishia makia rakandari akia kereshia rakora handari akurishia kenda dia kama kereshandari ada kereshandari akia rakoreshanda kereshanda. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you. The Lord, the Lord is saying when you when you do your private prayers, start with praying in tongues. As you pray, 
he will give you more. As you make more noise, he will give you more. And spontaneously, the Holy Spirit will take over and you start praying in tongues, okay? Don't hold it back. Don't hold it back. Don't hold it back. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Machukui receiving deliverance there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, merciful Father. Thank you for what you're going to do in your children's life. Father, you have said, if we ask, we will receive. Father, I believe they have received your Holy Spirit. Father, give them the confidence now to start praying in tongues. The prayer language you will give them, you have given them. Thank you, merciful Father. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the deliverance that is taking place in your daughter's life, Lord. Thank you, mighty Jehovah. Thank you, merciful Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 So keep, uh, keep saying, Father, thank you. You just need to praise and worship him now. So thank you, Father, for baptizing me in your Holy Spirit. Father, I now ask for my own prayer language. Give me my own prayer language to be able to praise you, to praise you and worship you in spirit and in holiness and in truth. Thank you, mighty Jehovah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, merciful Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you, merciful Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. So, Chidi, did you hear what I said last? I said... No, my phone phone went off. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I said, when you're praying now, every time you come to pray and uh, spend time with the Lord, just worship him, thank him for baptizing you in his Holy Spirit, and then keep asking for your own prayer language, and he will give it to you. Okay? Okay. 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 And the same thing... I think Daisy, Daisy can pray in tongues, can't you, Daisy? No, I can't. Oh, I thought you told me that you were able to pray initially. <laughs> you lost it, did you? <laughs> I, I think somebody's shy. Eh, well, <laughs> it, it's, not a, it's not a matter of being shy now. So just, <laughs> just ask the Lord to rebaptize you in His Holy Spirit, okay? <laughs> okay. To rebaptize you. And he will. Thank you, Lord. Because when I was praying, I saw three bowls of bright white light going to your hearts. So that means the Holy Spirit has come in. All you need to do now is to allow him to express himself through you. Okay? Is to allow him to allow him to express himself through you. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Thank you for what you're doing in our children's lives, almighty Jehovah. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have given them this night, O Lord. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that next time when we meet in two weeks' time, they will be fluent in their own prayer language. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have prayed. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this evening. Thank you, Father God, for what your spirit has taught us for this evening. Thank you, mighty Jehovah. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Thank you. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm going to stop the recording.